0: previous covenant not as good and that the new covenant is better. Uh, I want to prime the pump a little bit because we're going to talk about that this evening. So could I ask you once again now that you're so comfortable, could you please stand uh, to your feet if you don't mind? I think it's only fair. I have to stand. Why shouldn't you? And could you make friends, I bet you already have, with folks nearby? I want to throw this out as a discussion question. I think it'll be fun. It's just us. Why the need for a new covenant? That's your assignment for tonight. Help each other out. Why the need for a new covenant? Would you enjoy each other's company? Learn from one another, please, in the next few moments. I bet you came up with the right answer. Which makes me feel very insecure about my job. (laughs) You know the benefits of the new covenant. Georgia, do you mind if we embarrass you? That was such a blessing. Thank you for sharing your baptism with us. Wonderful. That's John George's husband. I did not know about your situation, and it's just wonderful to know about your new situation. See, there is somebody who's under the new covenant, and it's a far better covenant. In fact, the new covenant is so transforming, so life-changing, that there are people, ordinary people like you and I, who are willing to go literally to the far places of the earth in order to tell other people about this new covenant and its value and its blessings. In fact, we've had the privilege of seeing many groups come and go to different places to do that very thing. I was talking to Raul earlier. He just returned recently with others from Honduras uh, to tell people about the new covenant and the Lord Jesus. And there's another group, even as we speak right now in this very beautiful and comfortable environment, who are in Ethiopia, even as we speak. They are our own. Why are they not here? Because they belong to the Lord Jesus, and he has impressed upon them the need to go and tell others about the new covenant. So human nature is a complicated thing. You know that, don't you? You've said this a million times. You can't figure out why so-and-so does what he does, why so-and-so says what she does. Human nature is a tricky thing, and even more than that is divine nature, God's nature. Not only is God's nature complex, it's mysterious. You cannot know about God unless He reveals Himself. Did you know that? If he doesn't choose to reveal himself, you and I are left with nothing but guesswork, speculation. But thank God he has revealed himself to us, his nature, that is. And not only that, he has revealed to us what human nature is like. That's not a pretty picture, but we have to see it accurately anyway. And here's how, in my opinion, he has uh, most primarily revealed both human nature and divine nature, Israel. Hang on there. Don't leave just yet. If you track God's transaction with Israel then and now, you will get a clear picture of human nature and of divine nature. And I think that's one of the reasons why God still has a plan for Israel, so that the rest of us could learn from it. So, for instance, uh, here's something I learn about God when I think of how he has conducted himself with regard to Israel, I found out that it's in the nature of God to be relationship-driven. He desires communion with the creatures he has made. He is not distant and apart. He has not abandoned those whom he made. He desi- he's a relationship-driven being he desires communion in fact he demonstrated his intense desire to be in a relationship with Israel through something called a covenant you've heard of the word it's an important word it's a transaction it's a partnership. It's a means of affiliation. It's a covenant. God initiated it with Israel because he desires a relationship. Well, it's just not Israel. Now we move past Israel to the application. It is God's nature to desire intimacy, communion, closeness with everyone whom he has created. Now with Israel, he called Moses up to a mountain. You know about this, Mount Sinai. You could go to the traditional location of Mount Sinai today, if you so chose. It's in the Sinai Peninsula in the Middle East. Uh, And you could go where Moses went, and there you know the story. God said, Moses, I give you something to bring down to the people and give it to them. And what it was, was a collection of guidelines, commandments, for sure. Primarily guidelines for living. And in what God gave Moses, what was part and parcel of the covenant, we learned something else about God's nature. It's this. He cares about how we live. Think about how wondrous that is, that transcendent deity who possesses no needs. He's the all-sufficient one, desires uh, for us to live to the fullness of our God-given capacity. You know what he wants for us? He wants for us to have not just life— but life abundant and free. And Father knows best. Never is the expression more applicable than in this instance. Father who created us, he knows best about how we are to order our lives. Listen, you and I spend, let's just face it, so much time trying to deal with and unravel the consequences of our ungodly decisions. Are you willing to admit to that? Listen, we're all the same. It's human nature, for crying out loud, that we would essentially say to God, Almighty God, thank you for these guidelines, for these commandments, for these directives by which you intend for us to live. But no thank you. I would rather be the master of my own destiny. And we are in such a mess, are we not, because of it. I love the fact, don't you, that God cares so much for us that he cares about how we live. He wants us to order our affairs in accordance with his directives because he's wisest. He knows all things. You know, he sees the end of things from the beginning. I don't know how he does that, but, well, that's what God does. It's really quite wonderful. It's the cure for insecurity. Listen to be securely enveloped by the watch care of Almighty God. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I lived on a block in New York, another foreign country. Uh, and uh, and uh, the kids on the block, every once in a while, would decide, hey, let's, uh, let's go, let's sleep outside overnight. It was urban camping. There was no grass or anything like that, tents and stuff that you heathen use. I mean, that, uh, <laughs> like you have over here. We, you know what we would do? We would sleep on the flat roof of a warehouse building in New York. That's what we did. And I remember one time we got a whole crate of bananas, and, and that was our food. We, we pulled it up on this flat roof of a factory warehouse. That's, that was camping. That's urban camping. For, but here's the deal. Every kid, we we were proposing this. Hey, let's do this tonight. And the other kids said, well, I got to check with my dad. I did not have to check with my dad because that would have been an exercise in futility. My dad was there but not there. My dad was preoccupied with alcoholism. It had him. He thought he had it. It had him. And though he was a good man, as far as men go, and loved me, he couldn't package it in a receivable fashion. No attention to my life because this addiction had him, you see. And uh, so uh, if I, my father was even sober at the time, I don't, I don't even know if he would even comprehend, Dad, could I sleep out with the other guys? And the other guy said to me, Stuart, You really got it licked. This is so cool. You, man, you could just do whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't ever have to check through with anybody. That is so cool. And I said, oh, yeah, that is, yeah. No, it wasn't. On the inside, I would cry. I wish I had a dad who cared enough how I lived to set bounds. But don't feel so bad for me. I have him now. See, that's the new covenant. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When you are in the embrace of Heavenly Father, that is the cure for a lot of things. The big problem being sin. Uh, But even emotional stuff like insecurity. My Father cares how I live. How do I know this? Because he said, don't do this. (laughs) And don't do that. You check in with him in his word, the Bible, and his manual for living, and you'll find out just how much he... He's not trying to cramp our style or rain on our parade. He's saying, I love you enough to be attentive to the steps you take, the decisions you make, and I love you enough to counsel you against your foolishness, and I love you enough to discipline you when you step out of line, and I love you enough to tell you what the line is. So that's something about divine nature. But now, as good as that is, I find out something about human nature. God did this for Israel first and foremost. And Israel disobeyed God. So I find out something about human nature. It's this. We sin. God loves us so much That he gives us directives for life, part of a covenant relationship. That's his nature. And here's ours. We sin. Israel did not obey God, the one who loved her most. Neither do you or I. There's something in us. Are you willing to admit it? It isn't virtue. It isn't anything like that. There's something in us that drives us away from the one who loves us most isn't that crazy it's as if we're not in control and we're not it's sin within us when you run into that stuff when you say good night why do i keep doing the thing that i don't want to do well that's that that's let me diagnose that for that's called sin when you say, why don't I do the thing I really want to do? I don't need some preacher to tell me what's good and what's... Good. That's right, you don't. Why do you continue to violate your own conscience? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to make you feel included. <laughs> that's called sin. See, that is, that, that, that's our nature. Well, I want to tell you something. That should have been the end of things for Israel. Let me tell you that. I mean, God should have just replaced Israel for sure. There's lots of people in that day who God could have chosen to establish a covenant relationship with, but He chose Israel instead, and Israel uh, a disobeyed God. What would you do? Well, would, but God would have been justified, you see, in saying that's it. You blew your chance. I, I had it with, you. but, but don't you see that that isn't God's nature? That's what I mean when you study God's transaction. With Israel, you find out about human nature to you find out about God's human nature under the best of circumstances, even in the Garden of Eden, we sin. You can't blame it on a disadvantaged in background, you know, You're raised in a lower socioeconomic level, didn't get good education, had no... They're in the Garden of Eden, for crying out loud. God gives them one guideline, and one guideline was enough to reveal their proclivity to sin, for crying out loud. That's human nature, but God's nature does not respond in kind to human nature. God's nature confounds the game, the rules of the game, because he doesn't give us tit for tat. He doesn't, you did this, I do that. No, you do this, and in spite of what you did, I will reveal my grace to you. Now, that is so hard to figure out because that's just different. We don't understand all that. We understand, you know, you go to work, you earn a wage, you work hard, you get this, you be nice to someone, they be nice to you. We don't understand you sin against God, and God says you cannot out-sin my grace. What? A God who will not give up on people he's entered into covenant with? Are you? The reason why that's so difficult for us to get is that it doesn't resemble any of our relationships. <laughs> you, anyway, so I. No, God doesn't replace Israel, though his covenant people are unfaithful. He remains faithful. He didn't replace Israel, he replaced the covenant with Israel. Why am I emphasizing that? Well, because we're seeing a resurgence of interest in this thing called replacement theology, which says because of what Israel did, God's through with them. Now, he ought to be, but that he is gracious, you say. Now, here's what's dangerous. If you believe that because of what Israel did, God's through with them, then you're in a heap of trouble because when is he going to be through with you? you're not so hot. Just ask the person next to you. See, God's relationship with Israel is meant to be a mirror of human nature and divine nature. Of course, human nature will sin under the best of circumstances. And that's why God is revealing His divine nature with reference to Israel. The most spiritually privileged people group on earth and the group who has most squandered those spiritual privileges. God's response? A new covenant. He hasn't replaced Israel. He simply replaced His covenant with Israel. And now finally, my heavens, that was the longest introduction in human history but I'm going to pick up the pace. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, this is our theme tonight. We're in the letter of better. That's the book of Hebrews. And we're in chapter 8 tonight, verses 1 to 13. Don't worry. We'll get, it, we'll get out in time to see. What's on the Olympics tonight? What's going on? Synchronized swimming? Are you kidding? You're going to rush home for that? <laughs> this is the letter of better. Better. This is the topic. Better than the first covenant. No, God didn't replace Israel. He gave them a better covenant. And you and I can get in on it. What was wrong with the first covenant? Did you come up with this in your discussion? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Old Testament, the old covenant it's called. There's not a thing wrong with it. It came from God. It was the people who were part of the covenant. They were the problem. The problem was with the people. And I'll prove it to you. Listen, all it takes is one thou shalt not to reveal what you and I are made of. That's all it takes. Thou shalt. You've seen this with your kids and grandkids, have you not? Don't do that. Oh, my goodness. And they do it. There's something in us. I'm just trying to. All it takes is thou. One thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Do you mind if I really offend you? If you have lied once, you are a liar. If you have stolen once, you are a thief. Me too. All it takes is one, don't you see? You know what our big problem in not just America, the world today? We are really pumping up the flesh like crazy. We think we're hot, we're not. All it takes is one thou shalt not and you will see human nature. High places, low places, and in between. One, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, my goodness. Thou shalt not covet. Oh, boy. Guilty. That's our nature, you see. That was, that was the stuff under the old covenant. There's nothing wrong with all the thou shalt nots. It's the people who those thou shalt nots are given to. We won't do it, we can't do it. So what did God do? He revealed his nature by initiating an entirely new covenant that's based entirely on grace, amazing grace, and because this is the nature of God. And so Israel was guilty, for sure, of breaking God's covenant, and God offered another. But there's a catch. Any covenant of God has to be mediated by a priest. That's the catch. Every covenant of God has to be mediated by an intermediate, a go-between, an agent, a priest. Aaron was the priest who mediated this first covenant I was telling you about, the one given to Moses, Aaron. Aaron good covenant but the people really really could not comply with it because of their nature to sin they really needed a new covenant as do you and i but in order to have a new and far better covenant you have to have a new and far better high priest you see how it goes in order to have a new and better covenant, we need it you have to have a new and better high priest now this is maybe my favorite verse in the entire bible It's given in Hebrews 8, just the first few words of verse 1. We have such a high priest. Don't bother counting all those exclamation points. There's nothing significant about it. We just put a lot. We have. You cannot get in on a new and better covenant unless it is inaugurated, ushered in, and provided, mediated By a new and better high priest. And the writer of Hebrews says, look no further. We have such a high priest. In fact, the writer says, this is the main point of the entire letter of Hebrews. Hebrews is tough ground to cover. It's it's a very tough letter. But don't miss the forest for the trees. Here's what the writer says, verse 1. Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest. That's the theme of the whole book of Hebrews. Don't stumble over the stuff you can't figure out. That's all of us. It's higher than we are. It's God's word. But don't miss this. The whole point, the writer says, of the entire book of Hebrews is this. We have such a high... Pre- He's the Lord Jesus. And the writer tells us where he is. He has taken his seat. That's what the writer says. He's taken his seat. Well, wow, that ought to just cause you to slow down because this tells us right away that he's a different priest than any under the old covenant because he sat down there's no seat in the tabernacle or temple they're not going to sit anywhere are you kidding me you study the furnishings in the tabernacle and then the temple you're not going to find any chairs for the high priest why not because a seat when you take it indicates you're done but they done never got done Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats, that's all they had to offer, could not cover up for the horrific nature of our repeated sin. They were never finished. But the one offering of the better high priest, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, took care of everything and he sat down. Not because he was tired, but because he was finished. You don't have to add in any way to what he has done in order to have God's favor. Think about that. Think about that. This high priest has done absolutely everything required in order for you to be in right covenant relationship with Almighty God. Jesus said that. You know what he did? On the cross and from the cross he said, it is finished. Don't you love those three words? It is finished. Finished. Efforts to be right with God. No, no, no. It is finished. Efforts to cover up for sin. No, 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 no. It is finished. Efforts. No longer to be at odds with the Creator, but to be at peace. It is finished. And the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, said, where? Where did he sit? Well, we're told, at the right hand of the throne of the majesty At the right hand, not the left hand. Why? Because the right hand is the position of power and might and great, great privilege. And what is he doing? We're told. He is, verse 2, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. He, as in the fashion of other high priests, is making an offering. What did he offer? Himself. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And as we learned in Hebrews 7, intercession. Hebrews 7, therefore he's able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what is the Lord Jesus now doing? He's standing in the gap between us. He is saving us forever by interceding for us. You may not have had uh, a reliable dad either. Do you realize who you could have now? The Son of God interceding in the presence of the Father on your behalf? Are you kidding me? Wow. Don't be feeling sorry for yourself. If you have Jesus, you have the best. You have all you need. The Lord Jesus is for sure a far better high priest than the priest who served under the old covenant. In fact, what they did on earth is only a foreshadowing of what he did in heaven. And that's why it says what it does in verse 5. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. All the stuff you read about in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the ceremonies and the vestments and the articles and all that kind of stuff, that's just a shadow. It's a copy, a shadow of heavenly things. All the old system, don't you see, is just a foreshadowing. Shadowing of the fulfillment. That's why some people say, Stuart, you're a Jew. Why aren't you still doing all that stuff? Because that stuff is just a shadow. I don't want the shadow when I can have the substance. Can you please show me a shadow that has its own existence? There's no such thing. A shadow only reflects a reality. I don't want to go back to the Old Testament. Do you? Do you want to go back to your old religious traditions? Uh, a, a kind of a, uh, a ladder that you climbed to make yourself worthy of God when you have a better covenant ushered in better by a better high priest. I, so all those things are just foreshadowings of the ultimate reality. And all this is said to support what the writer says in verse 6 next, but now he's obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as, here you go, he is also the mediator of a better covenant. So since Jesus is a far better high priest, he mediates a far better covenant. Look, God knew Israel wasn't going to comply with the guidelines, with the commandments, with the laws of the old. God knew this. But he knew they didn't know that. In fact, out Mount Sinai, when Moses came down, you know what my people said? All that you have commanded us to do, we will do. How long did that last? Well, they have violated one of the commandments right there thou shalt not lie. (laughs) Now, God knew this, but they needed to know that. Do you know what we're doing today? We are defying God by telling young people, believe in yourself. You know what God is saying? Stop that. Do you know what your nature is? The very thing you don't want to do, you're going to do. The very thing you ought to do, you won't do. You're going to believe in that person? Today we tell our kids, uh, you can be anything you want to be. You, you. No, you can't. So you're watching the Olympics? You know what amazes me? The astounding fortitude, commitment, devotion, excellence, athleticism of those who participate. But what astounds me more, how all of that can go by the wayside if you catch your foot on one hurdle. Now, I don't rejoice in that, but it reminds me of human nature. We are trying to pump ourselves up. If you just dream it, if you just visualize it. Are you kidding me? You hit one hurdle in the 110-meter race, and you're gone. You're out of the medal. That's years and years and years of training. You know what they say at the end? If they happen to have won, every athlete does. At the end, they say, well, I just want to be an inspiration to everyone out there. You just got to believe in yourself. You just got to dream your dream. But how come you don't hear any of that stuff when they don't win the gold medal? I want to hear that before. You know what these athletes look like before in the starting blocks and so on, the gymnasts? They look like they're terrified. Man, it doesn't look fun at all to me. It looks like their very ego is on the line. It looks like, it looks like they know on the inside they're not God, they know they're frail human beings. All it takes is a torn Achilles heel, a flu bug, a migraine headache, or indigestion, and you're out of the medal contention. They know that. It's only afterwards, if the outcome is victory, that they take the credit. Well, you see, I just want to be an inspiration for all the kids out there. No, the best thing to do is to direct kids to Almighty God and away from themselves. Kids need outside help. There's nothing inside that's going to get them out of the jam of life. They need outside help. So God knew Israel wouldn't pull off what they said, but Israel didn't know it, so God had to show them. So here's what God did then. He said, now you're ready for a new covenant. So 600 years before Jesus, God promised the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. If you have a Jewish friend, by the way, I recommend it. Only some bite. Uh, Talk to them about the new covenant in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31. Uh, I've made this statement before, and thank you for your emails in response to it, but I still think I'm right. There's nothing new in the New Testament. No. Oh, it is fulfilled for sure. But everything in the new has been introduced in the old, including the new covenant itself. So Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34, are quoted by the writer of Hebrews right here in Hebrews 8. And here's how the writer begins. For finding fault with them, for finding fault with them, see Israel violated the first covenant, God found fault with them. You would expect God to reject and replace them. He does not. In fact, we're told in this quotation from Jeremiah 31, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, I'm going to get real obnoxious here maybe. But uh, again, please tell me if I'm wrong later on, not right now, because I have feelings. Um do you know the new, even the new covenant is made with Israel? Can you see it right there? A new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Don't you tell me God has rejected the Jews. Even the new covenant is, is right there. I didn't make that up. So God doesn't replace Israel. He replaces his covenant with Israel. What's this all about? How does it apply to us? <sighs> Remember, we learn about human and divine nature. Human nature, we're sinful. Divine nature, gracious. Israel in response to the old covenant, you know, Israel said, "We will do it. We will. We will." She failed. Under the new covenant, you know what God says? "I will." That's the difference. Old covenant, "We will." New covenant, "I will." Why? I will. You can't. You won't. I will. So look at this. Verse 7 of the text, "I will affect a new covenant." Verse 10, I will put my laws into their minds. Verse 10, I will write them on their hearts. Verse 10, I will be their God. Verse 12, I will be merciful. Verse 12, I will remember their sins no more. I will. I will. will. Religion? We will. Relationship. Covenant relationship with God? I will because you won't. That's the difference. Do you know why it's so important to be right about God's dealings with Israel? It's because God's dealings with Israel reveal how God intends to deal with us. That's why. You need help. So do I. God's laws are good, for sure. But God's laws cannot remove your sin. They can only reveal your sin. God's law was given on stone tablets. It can't penetrate our stony hearts. Therefore, we need a new covenant, and God has provided one, in which he makes this promise, I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. Under the new covenant, God's laws are internalized in us. Everything changes, motives, values, perspectives. Don't you sense this in your life? If you do, you're a Christian. If you don't, we ought to talk privately. God puts his spirit in us, you see. Gives us an entirely new heart. Reaches to the very core of our being. Affects our thoughts and our feelings and our wills. Under the new covenant, God says, I will remember their sins no more. Oh, my goodness. Don't you love that? I will remember their sins under the new covenant mediated by the superior and far better high priest, the Lord Jesus, who is in the sanctuary in heaven. God does not hold our sins against us. Think about that. He does not hold our sins against us. But how could a holy God overlook sin? He he, he didn't overlook sin. Where'd you get that? Sin's penalty was paid for. By a substitute, his name is Jesus, the Messiah. So under the new covenant, holy God did not overlook sin. He suffered, and he died for it. You have to have Jesus if you want the blessings of the new covenant. You have to have the new covenant if you want a relationship with Almighty God. The old covenant came, and it served its purpose. It pointed out human sin, then it grew old and died. The old covenant did not fail us. We failed under it. But under the new covenant, nobody will fail. You know why? It doesn't depend on us. That's why I'm so passionately against the notion that a truly saved individual can lose his or her salvation. A truly regenerated individual can lose his or her salvation. You cannot prove that to me using Scripture. You can prove it to me if you depend only on common sense. Common sense would say, you bet your life we ought to forfeit it. But it's the grace of of God, for crying out loud. Under the new covenant, the reason you can't lose your salvation doesn't depend on you. That's the old covenant. I will, I will, I will. No, you won't. No, you can't. Under the new covenant, it's God saying I will. He doesn't fail even though we fail him. Don't you see why this is so far better a covenant? The old covenant was marked by failure. The new covenant will be marked by success. Folks, Today, uh, our leaders are trying to persuade us that the big problem is the environment or uh, the economy. The next president will get elected on the basis of how the economy is going. Shame on us. Not on the basis of convictions, even track record. If there's an upsurge (laughs) in employment, or uh, home sales or your stock portfolio prior to November. That will determine who the next president is. Why? Because Americans have the same nature ancient Israel had. We don't really care about what's right and what's true. And we surely don't care about the God upon whom this country was founded. We care about, as long as I have a job, I don't care what his view on same-sex marriage is. As long as my stocks are going up, I don't care about abortion. I'm telling you. I'm not worried at all about the next election, because I know who we're going to get. We're going to get the president we deserve. We're going to get the one we deserve. Therefore, I'm praying like crazy. Oh, God, please don't give us the person we deserve. Nothing wrong with whoever the president would be. Good night. He's elected by us. There's something wrong with us. Something wrong with us. So here's the deal. It's not the environment that's the problem. It's not the economy. Are you kidding me? That's a smokescreen. The problem is our hearts. The heart of our problem is the problem with our hearts. Republican hearts have a problem. Democrat hearts have a problem. Independent party, libertarian, green party, whatever you want to call them, have a heart problem. I need a heart transplant because the very thing I don't want to do, I do. And the very thing I ought to do, I don't do. Oh God, who's gonna set me free? The next president? No, come on. But thanks be to Jesus Christ who has set me free. I need a heart transplant. I got one. You got one, Georgia? Do you got one? Ask God. Say, oh God, there's something wrong with my heart. It's not right. My mind tells me one thing, God. My mind says, don't do this. (sighs) But my heart drives me to it. Oh, God, who's going to set me free? Some people think submitting to the Lord Jesus means bondage. Oh, it's the opposite. That means freedom. It means freedom. Do you sense a new capacity to say no to things? you never were able to say no to before. Now, you still may choose to say yes to things you ought not, I know that. But you have a, remember when I was in the military years ago, a buddy I used to do stuff with came to me after I, I came to be part of this new covenant through the high priest, Lord Jesus. He said, come on, Stuart, let's go, we're going out, we're gonna do the things we used to do. And I said, uh, no, I'm not gonna to go tonight. How come, said he, but well, I just don't want to. Is that religion stuff? Is that, is that what got into you? No, it isn't anything like that. No, I'm uh, I not. Mean, if I wanted religion, I would have stuck to my own. It's better than any other. As far as religions go, in my opinion, we got better songs and everything. <laughs> this Jesus is who he said he is. I told my friend. And he moved in. And I don't have a need, a desire to do those things anymore. He said, you're a slave. I said, no, no, no. I'm free for the first time because I could say no. Can you say no? Can you say no to the things you know you ought to say no to? If so, you have evidence that you're part of the new covenant. You've had a heart transplant. If not, our pastor will give us an opportunity later to visit with some caring folks I could help you to find out more about how to have a new heart. Lord Jesus, we can go on and on and on. We'll have time in eternity not only to talk but to sing with the saints. What's a saint? Oh, God, somebody is part of the new covenant <laughs> who you've separated, made holy, even though by nature we ain't because you're just so good that you take all your holiness and you put it on our side of the ledger. There used to be only debt owed and now assets, all the merits of Christ Jesus. Oh, God, nobody walks away from this who has been truly enveloped by new covenant truth. There's nowhere to go for who has words of eternal life but you. Lord Jesus, thank you for our new hearts. You deserve much better than what we give you. And yet, in spite of it all, your grace is sufficient to save us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for interceding on our behalf even right now. We love you, for you have first and forever loved us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.